The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Men's conference last week, there were about 270 men from our body that got away for the weekend. It was a great time away. I appreciate my brother Charles Cooper being here. Appreciated his insights into the struggles of the African American community and the, the plight of our godly brothers and sisters of color. Um, we never want to mock brokenness, and we always want to be champions of marriage. And so, in the weeks ahead, uh, in this series, we're going to be looking at biblical marriage, womanhood this week and next week, uh, shattered this week, redeemed next week. And then after that, we'll be taking a turn to singleness. We'll have a message for singles. And then also we're going to be looking at marriage and the family. I'm going to do a message on sexuality as well. So we covet your prayers as we tackle some difficult issues that face us in the culture we're in. We want to speak biblical truth in a loving way. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to be about. Uh, what do you call 52 millionaires watching the Super Bowl tonight? The Dallas Cowboys. So, anyway, it may be the only applause I get all day, I, and I just came up with that. That's pretty good. Um, who you got tonight? You got the Falcons or the Patriots? Who you got? Who has no idea what we're talking about? See me for counseling, bro, okay? We're going to talk about that after, um, but that's where we are. The crowning achievement of creation is God making mankind a mago day in his image. As those who are made in God's image, we have been created to resemble and represent Him here. Uh, since all mankind's created in the image of God, we are to reflect and resemble that, and we respect all life. We respect life in the womb. We respect the end of life. We respect people regardless of gender, race, ethnicity, socioeconomic background, religious background, or cultural backgrounds. We respect all men and all women because they're created Imago Dei in the image of God, Genesis chapter 1. But something happened. The fall came. Sin entered the world. And because sin entered the world, the image of God in man and woman was not destroyed, but it was shattered. And so we have kept in front of you and we'll have through this whole series, these shattered pots have been put back together because this is our lives. This is my life. This is Gary DeSalvo. This is your life. We've been shattered because of the fall, but God in Christ puts us back together. That's our hope. Let's pray. Father, as we look at womanhood destroyed, as we talk to our sisters today, God, would you allow us to see truth, hear truth, and respond to truth in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, I realize I'm at a disadvantage. I am a man talking to women about being a woman. That's a problem. Okay. So we did send out a questionnaire to a number of Chase Bowers, our global missions guy, to a number of women in our bodies so we could have some material to help us as men think a little more carefully in the things that we're going to talk about. So... If you were with us two weeks ago, we talked about manhood shattered. That's my last preach, and I popped up uh, several reasons why it's good to be a man. You remember that? Uh, one of them was uh, you don't have to shave anything from your neck down, and your face remains its original color. Uh, you don't have to go to the bathroom with a support group. You remember those things? So uh, that's what we did. So I asked you ladies to send me advantages to being a woman. What are some reasons why uh, it's an advantage to being a woman? And a number of you did that. I want to thank you for that. So these are your answers, not mine. So throw stuff at your sisters and not at me, okay? Uh, reasons to be a woman. First of all, we have the ability to dress ourselves. <laughs> and all the women said, I don't get a dude that can't pick out his own clothes. I can pick out my own clothes and I only got one eye. 
reason to be a woman. Uh, chocolate can solve most of our problems. I had over a dozen women send that to me, something about chocolate and the whole thing. And so, I don't know. Hey, guys, if your wife is upset, just buy chocolate is what I get from all that in uh, some way. Um, reason to be a woman. We can hide our zits with concealer. Um, I have no idea what concealer is. It means to hide something, obviously. And so, how many of you ladies are wearing concealer? Don't even raise your hand. You don't have to do that. Okay. Um, reason to be a woman. Women don't look like a frog in a blender when they're dancing. I wasn't going to put a name of a woman under there who sent me that, but I thought it would probably cause marital disharmony, so uh, I, I didn't do that. Uh, one of you ladies sent me this. Women have an excuse to be a hot mess at least once a month. I mean, you got a reason for that to happen. This is my favorite license plate uh, that we found somewhere. I don't make it up. I just uh, report it. That's all I'm doing. What does it mean to be a woman? I mean, culture speaks about being a woman. What does it mean to be a woman? Now, I asked that question a few weeks back. What does it mean to be a man? And I told you, I've got 10-year-old, 8-year-old, 4-year-old, almost 2-year-old grandsons. They're boys. They're not men. So what does it mean to be a woman? I, I have a 5-year-old granddaughter, Emerson Kate. She has female parts, but she's not a woman. Okay? She's a female. She's got female parts. She's not a woman. In fact, she, she's what every little girl wants to be, a princess. And uh, this is our granddaughter. We call her the princess warrior. She's got three brothers and two first cousins, all boys. I mean, and she holds her own with them. She may look like a sweet thing there. She can hold her own. And uh, Bev said, Gary, you need to go on Facebook. This is last night. And look at all the dads that took their daughters to the daddy-daughter dance last night. How many of you guys did that? A bunch of you guys did that. Man, pretty cool. I, I, I love seeing those pictures of all of you guys and, and keep doing that. Every girl wants to be somebody's princess. Every girl wants to be somebody's princess. And uh, that's, that's, our, that's our, our five-year-old granddaughter. She is not a woman. She's a girl. She's a brainwashed girl. She's brainwashed. Yeah, go ahead and whoop. You know when that was taken? That was taken on Thanksgiving Day this year. You know what happened on Thanksgiving Day? LSU destroyed Texas A&M on Thanksgiving Day. And so we're getting dressed that morning. As we're getting dressed that morning, Bev and I, we've been in Baton Rouge and we bought some LSU gear, went to a family funeral about a month before we bought LSU gear to wear on that day because we knew we were going to be in College Station. And uh, we also bought our daughter and our son-in-law LSU gear too. So that morning we're getting dressed and all of a sudden I hear screaming in the back. I go running back there. It's Emerson Kate. Our daughter Sarah's putting on LSU gear. Emerson Kate is screaming, the Riggs family are not LSU family. We are an Aggie family. You take, she's telling her mama this. You take that off. Honey and Papa Doe are LSU Tigers. We are Aggies. Get that off right now. <laughs> brainwashed. I'm telling you, absolutely brainwashed at age five. Emerson Kate is a sweet, adorable five-year-old girl. She's not a woman. She's not a woman. So what's a woman? Hey, we all know 45-year-old girls and 18-year-old women. You know what I'm talking about? I did that with the men. You remember I said that? We all know 45-year-old boys and we know 18-year-old men. And I said, 45-year-old boys are guys that wear their letter jackets all the time. I had two dudes in the lobby waiting to beat me up. They had letter jackets on. <laughs> so, so ladies, you know 45-year-old girls. They've got drama their whole life. It's like they're still 15. They've got drama like they did when they were 15 years old. The whole universe centers around them. It's not about being a mom. It's not being a wife. It's about them. You know 45-year-old girls. You also know 18-year-old women. Spiritually mature, 
emotionally mature 18-year-old women. What makes a woman a woman? What makes a man a man? We're saying the Imago Dei, being created in the image of God, is what we're talking about. In your Bibles, on your apps, if you look at Genesis chapter 1 with me, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, And God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. So what we see is that uh, the, the fall and culture have perverted what God created as a good thing. God created us as male and female as a good thing. Our culture in the fall has perverted that. And so when we talk about the Imago Dei, I want you to note very carefully, male and female, he created them. And ladies, at the very start, here's what I want to settle. Men and women are created equally in the image of God. Every single one. We are created equally in the image of God. Equal in value, equal in dignity, equal in worth. We are created equal in the image of God. That's why Paul could write in, Gen uh, in Galatians 3.28, uh, he says we, there's neither male nor female, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, free nor slave. He's saying we're all equal in Christ. We're equal there. We've been created in the Imago Dei. So when we're going to talk about the things we're going to talk about, we're not talking about superiority whatsoever. We're not talking about male dominance. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what makes you uniquely woman. What makes you uniquely woman? When we talk about manhood and womanhood, we're equally created in the image of God, equal worth, equal dignity, equal value. It's a complementarian relationship. We are complementary to one another. That's the concept. And so I want you to think of it this way. I want you to think about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When you think about the Trinity, who is greater? Who is greater? Is God the Father greater than God the Son, greater than God the Holy Spirit? They are one. It's a Godhead. They are co-equal in dignity, worth, and value. And so what we're seeing is a relationship between man and woman creating the image of God, equal in worth, equal in dignity, equal in value. There's no difference in that at all. But when you think of the Trinity, even though they are equal in all those things, they are different in what? Different in function. Different in function. God the Son came to earth, God the Holy Spirit dwells us, God the Father is, is, is the, the Father, obviously, of the Godhead. And so equal in worth, equal in dignity, equal in value, but different in function. Likewise, men and women, equal in value, equal in worth, equal in dignity, but differently designed in function. And I say amen to that. Amen? I mean, I'm so grateful that God in his creativity has made woman the way he's made woman. He's made man the way he's made man. And so here's what I'd like to do this morning. I'd like to talk about three aspects of women that are unique to them. And so some of you are OCD like I am. I'm OCD in certain areas. And you go to my closet, you know all about my closet. I'm OCD there. You go to my office, I'm OCD there. And so some of you are OCD note takers. So I'm going to give you the answers now, okay? That way you can either fall asleep, take a nap, or you can pay attention, whatever you want to do, but you got the answers, okay? So there are three blanks on your outline to start. Woman as helper completer. Woman as helper completer. That's the first point we're going to look at. I'll even put that one on the screen for you because it's the first point. Then we're going to look at the beauty of women, the beauty of women. And then we're going to look at woman as life giver, woman as life giver. And so we're going to look at helper completer, beauty, and then life giver. Those three things. That's what we're going to spend our time looking at. Now, there are many other things that I could focus on, but that's what we're going to focus on this morning. So, woman is helper completer. Look at Genesis chapter 2 with me. Genesis chapter 2. God has created the entire universe. Everything exists. He said it's very good. Then he takes a hard look at Adam. Look at verse 18. Then the Lord said, 
He said, good, 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 good. What does verse 18 say? Genesis 2:18. The Lord said, not good. Not good. We got a problem here, NASA. It's not good for what? For man to be alone. Now, God, Adam was in face-to-face harmony with God, but yet God calls him alone. He says he is incomplete. This man is not complete. And so, ladies, you are a helper completer. Look at what he says. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Helper suitable for him. And so God says, I've got a role for a woman. In fact, if you, if you look at uh, the end of verse 20, it says, but for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. The exact same word. So ladies, you are to be helper completers. Imago Dei in you, the image of God in you is as a helper completer. And you say, man, helper, that doesn't sound too cool. I, I mean, that, that, that sounds inferior. What do you mean helper? But it's an interesting Hebrew word. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. The, the Hebrew word is E-Z-E-R, Ezer, E-Z-E-R, Ezer. It's an interesting word. It's a word, ladies, of strength. It's, a, it's, it's really a word of dignity. It's a word that, that's used of God himself multiple times in the Old Testament. So you want to know what the word helper means? I, I mean, picture this. It speaks of God this way, Exodus 18.4. The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. He was my help. So God is the one who was a deliverer. So the same word that's used of you in Genesis chapter 2 is the same word used of God in Exodus 18 as the one who was a deliverer. And then we go on to Deuteronomy 33, 7. Hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah, bring him to his people. With his hands he contended for them, and may you be a help against his adversaries. It's the word Ezer there, same word that's used of you, ladies. It's a word of strength. It's a word of dignity. It's a word of compassion. It's a word of care. You be a help against his adversaries. It said, God is the one who shields me from my adversaries. And one of my favorite verses in all the Psalter, all the Psalms, is Psalm 33, 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. So ladies, when it says you are a helper completer, the word helper there is a word that's used of God over and over, actually about 13 times in the Old Testament. And it's a word of care. It's a word of compassion. It's a word of protection. It's a word that's used of God. So it's a word of strength. It's a word of protection. I mean, you've seen a mama bear before. I mean, she comes alongside to help. She can learn to help. You are a helper. Bev is my helper. She, she is my, I protect her. We said that's one of the characteristics of man, but she protects me. You come up against me. You got to go through that petite little thing right there. She will scratch your eyeballs out. She did mine. Look at it right here. I, I mean, I mean, that, that's the, the reality. God has wired you in that way to be our helper. That's part of being made in the image of God. You're also our completer, helper completer. Note what it says, a helper what? Fit for him. It doesn't say a helper like him. It says a helper fit for him. And so ladies, you've been given the privilege to come alongside in your feminine strength to be a helper who is fit for man. The word fit for him is an interesting word. I've used this multiple times at TBC. I, I think I've done it at least 10 times over the years. I, I mean, they're, they're uh, fit for him. Uh, one translation says a correspondence to him. You fit. You fit for us. I, I think of the way that Bev has, has, has fit for me in, in the way that happens. Well, anyway, there's a scene in Rocky One that was made about 100 years ago. It was the first of 100 Rocky movies. And there's a great scene in that movie. I googled up again. I've used it here before. It's great theology. So in that movie, 
uh, Rocky falls in love with uh, a girl named Adrian. And uh, this is Rocky and Adrian. And Rocky's best friend is a guy named Polly. You remember this? And so Polly could not understand why anybody would fall in love with his sister. And every guy, no, I can't say, well, anyway, I'll stop there before I get in trouble. Uh, so anyway, uh, Rocky's falling in love. And there's a scene in Rocky 1 where, Adri- where, uh, where Polly turns to Rocky and says, I don't get it. How do you, how do you, how do you, why do you want to be with my kid's sister? That's what he says. Remember Rocky's answer? If you've been here for a while, you've heard me do this before. I mean, it's really cool. Rocky says, uh, gaps. She got gaps. I got gaps. Together, we fill gaps. (laughs) That is great theology. I mean, that's what it means to be fit for him. I mean, all of a sudden, these gaps are, I think of the gaps that Bev has filled in my life. I would be an emotionally inconsiderate oaf if it wasn't for her. I mean, I marry a woman who's sensitive. I come alongside. I hurt her feelings, and I've got to learn how to deal with that. And so the pastor that I am is a result of two things that actively, that the greatest change agents in my life have been the Spirit of God and that woman right there. Greatest change agent. And every minute, man in here probably say the same thing. Amen? Every man better say amen. Amen? Yeah. Even if it's not true, say it right now. I'm telling you, bros, listen to me. I mean, the reality of it, we... She fills my gaps, the gaps of my insensitivity, the gaps of me not understanding my daughter, who's a woman, the, the gaps of me being a better husband, the gaps of me being a better grandfather. She comes alongside, hey, Gary, what about, did you notice? And I'm thinking, how'd she notice that? She has a sensitivity antenna that goes up. Did you notice that lady was hurting or that guy was hurting? And, and she comes alongside and she fills these gaps in my life. Ladies, your helper completer. You come alongside and you fill these gaps. And I tell you, it's a great thing. It's a great thing the way that God has wired us. And guys, if you've got a helper completer with you this hour, um, it'd be a great time to reach over and give her a hug. I I haven't done this. I've never come down the stage and hugged my wife. I'm going to do it right now. Love you, babe. So so here's the reality. That's the way God has wired you, but there's a problem. Sin. It it came into the world. The fall came. We're shattered. And so uh, there's a a number of our ladies have gone through a study called The Five Aspects of Woman. I read that book in the last two weeks because I wanted to understand it. I mean, I'm a man speaking to women about being a woman. That's a tough gig. And and so I I read Barbara Mauser's being taught by a couple of our ladies in the back uh, during the week. And and so I went there, and Barbara Mauser says, the problem for us ladies is the fall. What happened in the fall? Well, their curse is meted out to man, to the ground, to the serpent, to the woman. This is the curse. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you will bring forth children. Ladies, is that true? Can I get an amen out of you? Anybody have a little pain in childbirth? Just a little pain. Even with epidurals and everything else, there's pain in childbirth. If men bore children, every family would be limited to one. Why would you? I mean, it's amazing. Yet, this is the curse, your desire, you're going to have pain in childbirth, yet your desire shall be for your husband and he will rule over you. And what Mauser and many other scholars say, well, the desire is a desire for control. It's a desire to be in charge. And, and so instead of filling gaps like this and doing it the way we should, we're more like this at times. Amen? You don't have to amen that one. I didn't mean that. I mean, we are like that. We struggle. I mean, it's just a battle. 
It's a battle for losing control. He's going to make a decision. How are we going to do it? Where are we going to go? I, I love what Stephen said. You know, marriage has taught him about holiness, and, and it does for each of us. We have to extend grace upon grace upon grace. And uh, that, that's part of the way that God has made us. So what happened is, and this is what Mauser says, for many of us as ladies, I'm going to read her quote, instead of being helper completers, we become helpless complainers or heckling competitors. Do you hear that, ladies? We've become helpless complainers. Let's talk about that one for a second. Helpless. Helpless. Drama around us all the time. Can't do anything for ourselves. That's what 2 Timothy 3 calls a weak woman. And we're not talking about, I am woman, hear me roar. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a woman who lives helplessly. And complainer. Complainer. How many of you guys are married to a complainer? Don't you dare raise your hand right now. (laughs) You know, Proverbs says a lot about complaining women. We've looked at these verses before. Ladies, I don't make them up. I'm just reading what the Bible says. Okay, here they are. A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. If you are a nagging quarrelsome wife, you are like the Chinese torture drill where there's a drip coming on your forehead all the time. If you continually nag your husband, what does that get you? I mean, when you were here a couple of weeks ago, I asked the dudes the same thing. I mean, hey guys, if, if you're going to treat your wife that way, you wonder why she didn't want to have sex with you? I mean, you're just an idiot. So, so ladies, I, I look at this and say, hey, if you're a quarrelsome woman, you're like a leaky roof. You know what else it says? It's better to live in the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. It's better for a dude to go live on the roof of this building than to go home to his nagging wife right now. And I'm thinking, whoa. And here's another one. Uh, it's better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome nagging wife. What happens in a desert? You die. You don't go to a desert to live. You go to a desert, you don't have water, you don't have food, everything's small and scrubby. You die. He says, it's better to die than to live with a quarrelsome, nagging wife. Yeah, I, 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 use, I think it was first hour, I only used a story. It's a story of a, a man who had a wife that was nagging him all the time. And, and he, he said, I think, he went to his rabbi and said, Rabbi, I think my wife is trying to poison me. And, and he said, I'll go talk to your wife. And he went there, he couldn't believe. He came back to the man, and the man said, What'd you learn? And the rabbi told the man, Drink the poison, drink the poison. <laughs> One guy said, my wife is an angel. She's always harping about something. Man asked an American Indian his wife's name. The Indian replied, her name is Three Horses. It's an unusual name. Why'd why'd she get that name? Well, it's an old Indian name. It means nag, nag, nag. (laughs) Ladies, I'm just asking you, are you a helper completer or a helpless complainer? You know, let, let me pause right there. I look around our body, and I'm so grateful for godly women, godly women who are helper completers. And I'm laughing about the other, but the sad thing is probably some of you are that way, complainers. Whatever he does is never enough. You have to find your identity in who you are in Christ. And so when I look at this, I recognize, I mean, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, these women in this room. Take a look around. You've got my permission to look around the auditorium right now. Look at the sisters in this body who are godly women who represent Christ. They are helper completers. And we're so grateful for that. Don't be helpless complainers or heckling competitors. I mean, everything we do is never enough, and so you compete, and there's a struggle for headship within the home. We are all called to be submissive to one another. Jesus came and said, I come to do the will of the Father. Jesus submitted to the Father. Submission is not a bad thing. Jesus submitted. 
We're all called to submit to one another. We're, we're called in the Ephesians chapter 5, and then within the family, wives are called to submit to their husbands. And, and, and to my guys, it's never an order. You don't say, woman, submit to me. It's, it's not about superiority. It's not, I'm king of the castle, but it's lovingly, caringly, uh, uh, caring for the woman that God's given you. And, and that way you allow her to be the helper completer she should be. Ladies, you do that by respecting us. Ephesians 5.33 says, each of you also must love his wife, uh, love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must, what's it say, ladies? The wife must, read it, respect her husband. The, he, the Greek word, the New Testament's Greek, is phobatos. We are to respect our husbands. I have, the, it's, it's not fearful like you cower, but it, it's to honor him. That's the concept here. To my single sisters, I talk to you as well. It, it's a privilege, it's an honor to respect the, the men around you, the men who, who, who court you, the men who date you, the men who are near you or by you. We need to respect, not complain or complete. Let me be very practical. Let me give you some practical things. Guys, it's a good time to give your wife a pen if she doesn't have one, okay, or, or your phone to take notes on. Ladies, you respect us when you speak highly of us, or you, you respect us when you speak highly of us to your friends. When you're in the phone talking about your husband, how do you talk about him? When you're sitting with the sisters and, and you're having coffee, how do you talk about him? I, I mean, I, I tell you, it, it's a privilege to hear many of the women in this body talk about their husbands. I, I love, my, my wife honors me and I am so grateful for that. And to have a wife that respects you is a tremendous privilege. And ladies, I pray. Now the fall, the fall has created disharmony between us and so sometimes we rip instead of speak highly. Secondly, don't argue with or correct us in front of the kids. We can talk about it after. Don't roll your eyes and correct them in front of the kids. There's a time and a place to do that. Now, we're wrong. I, I, I've done wrong things with my kids before, but Bev very graciously will pull me aside or we'll talk about it and so, so, so that we don't do it. But we're not going to have an argument in front of the kids. You disrespect me when you correct me in front of the kids. These are just some real practical things. Uh, don't speak negatively of our families. We had a rule in our house. I could talk poorly about my family. Bev could talk poorly about her family, but never the twain should meet, Okay. Uh, that's not going to happen. So it just creates conflict, creates harmony, it creates pain. You remember the story of the couple, they're driving along, they're having an argument, and there's, there's a farm and there are a bunch of pigs slapping it up in the mud. And so the husband asked the wife, he pointed out there and said, relatives of yours? She stopped for a second and she said, yes, my in-laws. <laughs> I bet that was a happy night, don't you? Um, Ladies, you respect us when you don't tell us how to drive. Now, my wife is really good about that. She, she doesn't. If we get there five minutes late, it's okay with her if I take a different turn. But there's some women, you're going to be surprised to know this, your husband can find out where he's gone when you're not there. It's amazing. He actually gets that place. He gets that place without you telling him. I mean, it, it, it does happen on occasion. Now, sometimes I'm like Daniel Boone. Daniel Boone says, I've never been lost, but I was bewildered for three days once. Every dude knows what I'm talking about right there. Here's a new seat belt that's coming out. Um, I didn't make it up. It's just material I found, okay? Uh, and you respect us when you're not nagging and you're not bossy, okay? It, when you don't do that. But ladies, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about internal transformation. This, does not, this is not five steps of being a better wife or six steps to being a true lady. We're talking about internal transformation that lets you live out, resemble, and represent the Imago Dei. That's what we're talking about. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your heart so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. We're talking about internal transformation. Otherwise, we're just talking about behavior modification. Go get that from somewhere else. We're talking about a life that's changed because of Jesus. That's what we're talking about. And so we have to have that as a foundation. That's the foundation of what we're talking about. So, so ladies, God has made you to be the helper completer, the helper completer. Secondly, I want to talk about the beauty of woman, the beauty of woman. Look, go back to Genesis 2 with me, Genesis 2. So God has already said it's not good for man to be alone, and uh, I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. So you would think God would create woman right then. But what does he do? Look at the text. He parades the animals in front of Adam for him to name. That's kind of weird. So I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. So Adam, you come over here. He calls all the animals, walks them by, and he says, Adam, you name the animals. Look at verse 20. And the man gave names to all the cattle, the birds, the beasts of the field, but, circle that in your Bibles, but, why did God do that? But he did that for Adam. There wasn't a helper, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So I call this God's bachelor awareness program is what this is. He's saying, Adam, you look at that animal. It's not for you. Look at that animal. It's not for you. Look at the animal. Giraffe too tall. Hippo too wide. Anteater never get past that snout. Adam, they're not for you. None of them. They're not a suitable helper. They're not a helper completer. But Adam. God becomes the first anesthesiologist, puts Adam to sleep. First surgeon takes a rib out, closes up the flesh, fashions woman out of that. He brings her to Adam. Adam doesn't take a wife. Adam is given a wife. And I feel like I've done this a hundred times over the years at TBC. Look at the next verse. And the man said, this is nail bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that's how it happened. Uh, here's the problem. I mean, that almost reads like a Shakespearean soliloquy. This is nail bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. When Adam woke up, he just looked at all these animals. He woke up and there was a naked woman next to him. I mean, that's what it was. And they were unashamed. And I don't know, I'm a dude. I'm not going to go, this is nail bone on my bone, flesh on my flesh. I'm going to go, ah! <laughs> and I think that's, you can scratch out this is nail in your Bible because that's a one-time occurrence of that word in the Hebrew language. It's called a hapax legomenon. That's, that's, what, that's the biggest word I know. That and delicatessen are the two biggest words I know. <laughs> This is nail. It only occurs one time. So we really don't know what that word means. So I think Adam woke up and he goes, wow, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This isn't a hippo. This isn't a giraffe. This isn't an anteater. This is a gift from God. This is woman. That's who she is. And Adam looked at that beautiful creation that God gave to him. A thing of beauty. No, I'm blessed. The, the other hours, Bev didn't, Bev didn't come the first two hours. Y'all might think she sits in that front row every week. Uh, she's not going to make 8.15 ever. She said, if God wants us to see sunrise, he'd make it later in the day. <laughs> so 8.15, they don't even know I'm married. They see a ring on my finger, that's it. Uh, 9.30, they don't see her either. So I, I've popped this picture up all three times and said, I'm blessed. I've got a beautiful wife. I'm blessed with a beautiful wife. When we walk down the street, people look at me, they look at her, and they think, that brother must be rich to have a wife like that. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're thinking. So, um, but here's the reality. External beauty is a great thing. We appreciate it in all of our ladies. But internal beauty 
is so much more. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears God, she shall be praised. I'm blessed with a beautiful wife. But you know the thing that's attractive about Bev DeSalvo? She walks with Christ, she loves Christ, she worships Christ, she honors Christ. And so I've got eyes only for her. I only for her. <laughs> it's amazing how often that comes up. <laughs> but, but ladies, here's what I want to tell you. Culture has created chaos for women. If you're not a six foot tall, 90 pound runway model who looks like anorexia on whatever, then you're not beautiful. Nothing can be further from the truth. Nothing. Nothing can be further from the truth. What makes you a beautiful woman is the, what Peter calls in 1 Peter chapter 3, the hidden qualities of the heart, the imperishable quality of the heart. Take a look around. These are beautiful sisters here. Look around. They glow. I mean, they glow. And it's because of Christ alive in them. And the world has duped you. The world has said, if you don't look like you fill in that blank, then you're not beautiful. And so women struggle with body image. They struggle with self-esteem. And, and it's a battle for many, many women because you don't look like this movie star. You don't look like this model. You don't look like this singer. You don't like, look like this airbrushed person on the front of some magazine. And I tell you, ladies, I, I hurt for you because nothing is further from the truth. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears God. The imperishable qualities of the heart. So ladies, for many of you, you spend time in the gym. Most of you spend a good bit of time putting some makeup on today. Probably, what was that stuff called? Concealer today. <laughs> I'm not saying you get zits, I'm just saying you get concealer. Um, you spent time choosing an outfit today. You accessorized today. I know what that means now. Okay? There's purses, shoes, jewelry. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. How much time do you spend with the imperishable qualities of the heart? See, our, our society and culture is duped into believing the externals matter more than the internals. They don't. They just don't. And when we look around, we see beauty because of who you are in Christ. If that's for me, I'm busy, I'll call him back. Um, but, but here's the reality. Here's the reality. The imperishable qualities of the heart makes you a beautiful woman. You know the tragedy? Our five-year-old granddaughter's gone through the checkout line at the grocery store with her mom. She, is this right? She sees a magazine, and it's some beautiful model. And she looks at her, what does she say? I want to I be like her or something like that. Five-year-old girl. Five-year-old girl. And they were pulsing into a little Emerson Kate, that young girl. Hey, sweetie, that's not what matters. What matters is who Jesus is in your life. And so my sisters in here, man, we love you. And we've got beautiful women externally here. But I'm going to tell you, a beautiful woman on the inside trumps that any day. Amen, guys? Amen. You take a woman who walks with Christ, loves Christ, honors Christ, and she's beautiful as well. It's just a great, externally beautiful, it's just a, it's icing on the cake. And if not, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter. Because what matters is the imperishable qualities of the heart of these dear sisters. And the final thing, you are life givers. You are life givers. And if you look at Genesis, you finish up in chapter 3, all the way in verse 20. 
It says, now the man called his wife's name Eve. The Hebrew word for Eve means life or life giver. Ladies, you are the life giver because she was the mother of all the living. You are life givers. I mean, you are the one who birthed babies. As I said before, if men birthed babies, we'd have one per family and that's it. You birth babies, not only that, then you nurse us into nourishment. You give us nourishment. And not only that, it's amazing. As our kids got to be toddlers, they'd scrape their knee. And it's amazing. They wouldn't come running for me. They'd go running for Bev. And she had this magical kiss. They would be screaming like, you know, they were dying. And all of a sudden, she'd say, let mommy kiss it. And she'd kiss it. And all of a sudden, that boo-boo got instantly well, and they were out playing again. Then they got to be teenagers. It wasn't scraped knees. It was broken hearts. And I, I would try and talk to them and do the best I can, but I'm a dude and I'm just not as good as my wife is about that. And so they would come to her and they'd sit with her and they would talk to her. And she is the life giver with her words and with her attitudes and with her actions. And so, ladies, you're either going to be a life giver or a life taker. You're going to be a life giver or a life taker. And I pray that you give life with your words. I pray you give life with your actions. I pray you give life with your attitudes. You speak blessings over those kids. You speak encouragement into your husband's life. You are a life giver. Ladies, some of your men would run through a wall today if they just heard from their wives, I love and respect you. I love and respect you. Don't be like the old German guy who once said, he came to his pastor and said, you just need to tell your wife you love her. He said, I told her the day we got married, if I change my mind, I'll let her know. I'm all over guys about saying, hey, you make sure your wife knows you love her and your kids, you tell them. Ladies, you can give life to us by demonstrating it, but also by telling us. So if you've got a husband with you today, it'd be a good time to lean over and let him know you love and respect him today. It'd be a great time to do that and to, and, and to honor him in the midst of that. And so I get to do that too. That's pretty cool. So, um, so here's the deal, guys. The consequences of the fall are devastating, but Christ gives us hope. You know, one of the things I love about TBC are godly women. We've got godly women here. I, I've got, this is one of our singles. She answered one of the questions this way. The church has impacted me because confident, gentle, godly women have surrounded me since I came to Christ in my 30s. I had no idea women could give and not take, speak and not shame, love without hurting. I'm quite fortunate to be surrounded by truly faithful, godly women who want to know Christ and to help me look like him. That's a single woman talking about sisters sitting in this room right now. And I say, to God be the glory, great things he's done. That's the kind of sister you want to be. Here's another one. She says, uh, she said this, the, the women of TBC have modeled faith and adversity, strength and weakness. They have spoken truth into my life. They've given grace to me. They've loved me well. That They have showed me what kindness is. They are filled with joy. Women who love God's word, who remember the sick, the weak, and the poor, who are honest about their sins and shortcoming, and who are willing to mentor others. Talking about you, ladies. Talking about you. We're blessed. A lot of times I'll say one of the hallmarks of TBC is godly men, and we are. You take a look around this room, we get a lot of men. It's unusual for a church. But I'm going to tell you, it's a real blessing, a real blessing of godly women. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears God will be praised. I'm going to close by showing just a brief video. Here's a woman who was shattered, living the consequences of sin, but she was healed and given hope by the Savior. 
As a teenager, I was a little bit of a mess. I probably could have been diagnosed with generalized clinical anxiety at age 12 or 13. And so at the age of 13, I started experimenting with alcohol. I developed an eating disorder and spent 17 years struggling with bulimia. I had no self-esteem whatsoever. I was covered in so much shame and so much regret and there was so much self-loathing. And I was on my way to work and I was working on a morning show at the time and so it was early in the morning and I turned on the radio and it was a Christian teaching program quoting a scripture where Jesus says, watch out, don't let me catch you living in careless ease and drunkenness filled with the worries of this life. And so I turned off the radio and I said, okay, Lord, I'm yours. What do you want me to do? And I knew that that was the day that I had to choose. Was I going to live for myself, which could only lead to the pit? Or was I going to live for my Savior, which leads to life and peace and love and joy? And that's what I chose. And I never looked back. So ladies, if you're looking for life and love and peace and joy, it starts by knowing Jesus. And if you're here today and you're like her, I'm struggling with self-image, self-esteem, body, whatever it might be, have no peace, you find it in Jesus. That man that loves you, we can't give you all that. What we'll give you what we can, but you've got to find that in the Savior. When we did this in the first message to men, I had all the men stand so we could pray over them, so I want to do the opposite today. Ladies, would you stand? All my ladies. We want to affirm you, we want to approve you, we want to applaud for who you are in Christ. Now, I want to pray for you, and I want to make sure that every woman in here is somebody touching her. So, ladies, if you're next to another lady, you reach over and touch them. Guys, you go ahead and stand up. All the men stand up. If there's a lady there in a, in a very appropriate way, would you place your hand on their shoulder, and uh, we'll pray for them right now. So, let me pray. Father, it's with great joy that we honor these ladies. Father, we thank you for them. We thank you for them as our life givers. Without these women, we would not have life. We're so grateful for it. Grateful for them, the beauty that they bring into our lives. And thank you for these helper completers. Thank you for these sisters in Jesus. In your name, amen. amen.